Good morning and welcome to today's podcast. So, <clears throat> apologize for my for to start with an apology. Um, this is still like ever since I'm sick. Uh, long, long time. My voice has been a little off, but um, anyways, uh, my apology was yeah. Sleep last night. So I'm a little bit of a little bit tired, so my brain isn't working at 100 percent right now. Um, but uh, I, of course, still want to do my podcast. Uh, it's a great way to be able to center myself a little bit, ground myself uh, for the day. So let's see. One of the things I was thinking about talking about today was I was going to continue what I was talking about yesterday, which is how we can change our educational system. Um, how to restructure it uh, so that, well, one, we can stop having people, or not having people, we can stop being considered a 20th century education in the 21st century. Um, it'd be nice to be able to bring education into the next century. Uh, so I think in this episode, what I want to do is I want to talk about how kids learn currently. So... In order to be able to do that, a little bit of history lesson. So when I was growing up, uh, I grew up, I, I'm one of those between people. Uh, I'm not a boomer. Uh, and I hate those labels because they're so outrageous. There's the way you could talk about just a whole entire generation of people like they're all one person. But um, giving you an idea of what I grew up with when I was when I was born in the first half of my life, uh, computers didn't exist. Uh, they weren't, they did exist, but they weren't in the public consciousness. Uh, when I was a kid, so elementary school, you started seeing things like radio remote control cars, walkie talkies, you know, you started to see things like that. Radio Shack came out. And so there was a little, uh, and the silicone, um, uh, chip was kind of brought up and then and then we had personal computers. You had the Macs. So uh, in my lifetime, I've seen the birth of a large portion of our daily lives right now, which is, uh, you know, I was I was in college uh, when the first iPod came out. And, yeah, and I have, like, the second or third generation of that iPod um, at my house. It's... It's not super clean uh, because I bought that iPod because I needed to use it. Um, for me, it was heaven sent because as somebody who had undiagnosed ADD, it was the only way I could find myself to be able to uh, concentrate. And the reason I bring up that is uh, this suffering that I have had, I mean, like people with ADD have had has been has been there for as long as ADD has been around. Um, and it's been around long before it was ever diagnosed. Before, in my parents' generation, you just weren't good at school, uh, is what they called that. So, uh, <clears throat> or actually, I guess I could ask my dad what they would call somebody who, you know, who had difficulty focusing. So, um, all I know is my dad had gotten a lot of trouble growing up. Um, so anyways, 
the big change that happened is when I was growing up, I, they were they were teaching us how to type in school. They were teaching us how to use computer programs in school. So when I was in college, even, you could take a course on how to be able to operate a particular program, and they would take you through the whole step and all of that. Nowadays, uh, and that's not how things work. You don't have a sage on the stage that's going to teach you all the things about a computer program. And the reason for that is uh, there's interface designers out there whose job is to make it so that the program is more usable. In other words, it gets the program out of the way and allows the user to be able to operate the program without much instruction to the point that, you know, older generations, they see kids grab an iPad and in a few seconds, that kid is able to do stuff with the iPad. Oftentimes, they do stuff that's really hard to undo, but but still, they see kids that can just pick it up and just use it. Um, So now knowing that, uh, we can start talking a little bit about learning. And what I mean by that is, up until now, and this is this is the part that people talk about this, but they talk about it from the boundaries. They don't really talk about it deep in its center. So education is very similar, but we're we're behind, and that that's the reason why this topic comes up constantly. It's not just that there's a structure and you feel like you're you're being taught to be compliant uh, factory worker, but it's also even in the core of how we're going about teaching subjects. I mean, I remember I used to have, I had to buy a book on how to be able to use Adobe Photoshop and it was called classroom in a book. And now you have, I mean, you have so many powerful tools now that, that, there's actual applications and now Photoshop's in trouble of being overtaken by these other applications because of their ease of use. Because Photoshop had always been their user interface is not obvious. Um, and there's various reasons for that. Some people, they believe it's because they try to take a digital darkroom sort of approach. Um, so majority of the people that were starting to use it had never been in a darkroom. So that made things very difficult. It didn't have an art background, so that made things difficult. Um, but you still have other people that have gone through, and um, they've they've come out with stuff that's a little more helpful. Um, excuse me, jeez. Uh, so um, back to how we're educating students. So now the idea of a kid taking a class on how to use an iPhone seems ludicrous. Like it's laughable. And I'm wondering what does that look like for education? Because right now, uh, we have Google, right? We have a search engine. So I can type stuff in. I don't have to know a lot of 
stuff on how to search. But I can just type stuff in and I'll have a bunch of stuff pop up. Uh, and for answering questions like what is, you know, the lower level questions where you're just trying to define terms, you're just, you, you hear about something new and you're like looking that up. Uh, even sometimes, um, you know, like what, what year did the Battle of Gettysburg happen? You know, that's something that's easily, you could easily Google and find. There's even, but then even even a higher level question, which would be, uh, what was the effect of the Battle of Gettysburg on the Civil War? I mean, there's still answers that, that will spit up, and there'll be all these, all, all these pieces. Um, and so that's when, that's when it, the processes that we teach become important. And what I mean by that is the ability to, for example, I could go look up this information, but how do I, one, verify my source, track my source, if that's even important, um, but how do I judge the, uh, what do you call it, the, um, how likely what I'm reading is true? Um, you know, how do I go about judging that website that I'm getting this information from? That's something that I think isn't obvious. It's not something that's just, it just comes out of nowhere. Um, at least not yet. I mean, who knows? Maybe somebody's going to build a plugin. There's an idea. Build a plugin for a browser so it can go through and evaluate the probable truth of whatever it is that you're reading. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that can happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, my mind just went down a path. Uh, you know, the people that are, are all afraid of the robots taking over our world. Uh, I just thought that that was funny. Um, everybody has this idea in their head that it would be with guns and, you know, destroying the world in a way. Uh, but the reality is, is, or they would just make themselves so indispensable that we'd be working for them. Um, <laughs> and handing over, you know, our ability to be able to judge whether something is true or not. Uh, whether that's through virtual reality or even through what I just described, which is somebody, uh, a program, and even it could even be AI-based, that goes through and researches, checks uh, checks things against the, I don't know, Library of Congress. I, who knows? Um, somebody smarter than me would develop, and next thing you know, you're relying on the computers to be able to tell you what's true and what's not, which would then allow for a lot of different possibilities, but I digress. Um, on the name of making a buck. Wow, I went down a hole there. Um, so back to, again, education. So if we were to hand over a number of things, you know, like if we were to really look at our education system and what's it, what, what's the most important 
things for our next generation to know how to do. Um, that's what we need to be looking at. And then also, what's the designing, what's the equivalent of desi designing a user interface that's so easy that anybody will be able to pick it up and start using um, or start learning in this case. So I don't know if I'm explaining myself well. Like I said, I'm very tired uh, and I have a lot that's in my mind. My words are escaping me. I'm not, I'm, I don't feel like I'm communicating it very well. But what I'm trying to do is uh, talk about how we learn from a perspective of the change that happened from, uh, you know, somebody first using a computer to now with picking up and just using one. Uh, my two-year-old does it. Um, and then applying that or trying to overlay that onto education. So right now we have the equivalent of a 486DX computer. Most of you don't even know what that means. That's pre-Pentium. A lot of you don't know what that means, but a 486DX computer running an old version of Windows where you had to actually start with a command prompt and you would type in uh, run win for running the Windows in order to be able to start the computer um, and get yourself a little window. And it was the, the, the cheap um, operating system. They were trying to copy Microsoft, I think, at the time. But anyways, um, it was running over a DOS, what was called a DOS shell. Uh, it's crazy the weird stuff that I know about this, um, just from growing up at that time. But anyways, it, if a kid, a two-year-old, came upon that setup, they could bang on that keyboard all they want and nothing's going to happen. Um, yeah, nothing, absolutely nothing. And I feel like that's where we're at with education. Without help, our kids aren't going to be able to learn that information based on, uh, now again, this is within our, within our setup, the way that we have things set up right now, where we have the standards are listed, we have the assessments are listed, um, and, and all of that. But somebody who hasn't been educated on how to be an educator can't just walk in and help teach their kids. And I, I have a problem with that. If we make that user, we change that user interface so that it's accessible by everybody. Everybody can learn what it is that they need to learn by the time they get older. Man, that would just free up our world in so many ways. And if you make it kind of how things are right now, which is it's fun to use a phone in the many different ways that you could use the phone. And it opens up this whole new world. It, it opens up possibilities for communication and sharing of knowledge and connection. And so I think on a previous con, uh, podcast, I might have made that uh, um, analogy. Well, not analogy. I can't remember the word, but it's basically uh, your brain, when it's learning, it's making new connections. 
Well, imagine that society is a giant brain and it learns when more people are starting to connect. Uh, so all the more reason that we need to build more and more connections um, and not be funneled. Right now we're being funneled quite a bit, but that's a whole nother story. Um, back to education. So how we learn. So what would that look like? What would that look like where you have an entry point where even a kindergartner could come in and be able to start learning? Uh, I mean, we, we, we started down the path a little bit with Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers. And if you look at those, those two programs, uh, they used entertainment to to teach some pretty heavy topics, you know, around empathy and compassion and uh, how to be a good neighbor, how to, how to, how important it is to get to know the people around you, how to be nice. You know, there's, there's aspects to this that I think are important. Now, um, so we started down that path a little bit, but then it seems like, you know, our society just kind of gave up on it. Um, now Sesame Street's owned by Showtime. So in order to watch Sesame Street, you got to subscribe to Showtime. Uh, but those two, those, two, um, those two programs came out of PBS, which is a public broadcasting system. Um, and now, now we have the ability to be able to make similar kinds of things uh, because of YouTube, we don't have to spend a lot of money to create, uh, to be able to distribute our, whatever it is that we create. But anyways, I'll get back to this uh, in a little bit. So we have that entry level. Uh, that's a point of, a, a point of problem, but then we also have that advanced level. So one of the things that I do notice with the switch in technology is fewer and fewer people are getting that higher level knowledge. So that's something to worry about. And what I mean by that is not that many people know how to program. Now it's getting larger and larger because the people that have created the programming languages, there's a number of people out there that to God, the idea of teaching kids how to code because um, there's no reason for them to have to wait until they're really, really old. And so what they did is they took the coding environment and they brought it in and through gameplay and things like that, uh, uh, trying, testing, just redoing, uh, and then found a way to make it rewarding. That's already been done. So why can't we do something like that with math? Um, and math's an interesting subject. Uh, you know, English, interesting. Each one of these subjects are interesting because so far, I mean, if you think about math, and I was a math teacher, so in a way I'm kind of talking from experience. You have, there's a few different ways to look at math, mathematics. So if you look at mathematics in the most general way, it is, it's, man, this is tough to explain, especially in my current state 
of complete tiredness. So if you look at math, all it is, is, it, you know, like a lot of people, when they think of math, they think computation. Heck, there's some people out there that think that counting is math, which in some ways it can be, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, or it is, you know, you could make that argument. Um, but even answering that question, what is math? What is learning math? Are you learning how to compute? Or are you learning a process on how to be able to use these numbers in a way that makes sense and be able to solve problems? Or is it learning processes where you, you know, there's a process that you can learn in math where it's, you play with something for a little bit, you see a pattern, um, and then from that pattern, you come up with a couple examples, you could generalize the pattern, and then you have to prove it using these certain uh, accepted truths. Um, and even within that, uh, you have a logic system and you have postulates, which are like the building blocks of that system. They just are these things that are accepted as true. Uh, there's no proof. And then you prove a bunch of other things from that. And then based on those proofs, you can prove more things. And it's a way for knowledge to be acquired and uh, to move forward. And you're, you're just, yeah. <laughs> and how to be able to talk about things like truth. Uh, you know, is this always true, sometimes true, or never true, that kind of stuff. Um, and, yeah. So I'm speaking very abstractly. This is This is turning into a very scattered podcast, which is not what my intent was, but you get the idea. Um, what what are we going to consider as being required for somebody to learn math? Is it that they, they are able to manipulate these equations? I remember when I was growing up, people were like, well, what if you're stuck on an island and you, when talking about whether or not we should use something like a calculator to help us to be able to calculate certain things? And they're like, well what do you do if you're stuck on an island, there's no calculator? Well, even that excuse can't be used anymore. Because um, there's cell towers, and the likelihood of you being stuck on an island and still surviving and needing to use math to survive, I mean, it's not super likely. Now, trip to Mars... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I could see. I could see that. But yeah. Anyways, uh, back to what I was saying. Um, if we make learning about the processes, or do we make learning about a combination of the processes and these these minimal these these minor skills that we could have something like a computer, which it's interesting to find out where that name came from. But we could have a computer do the math for us uh, because actually that's the reason why a computer was created. don't know if you all knew that, but that's why it's called a computer because it would compute things for you. And in many ways, it's like a brute force computer. Uh, it's, a, it's like a brute force thing. It can look up things really quickly. Uh, many of the population out there don't know what logs are, but logarithms. Um, think of it as undoing exponents. So if you have something to the something power, uh, if you're trying to reverse that process where you have a number and you know what base 
uh, you're dealing with and you're trying to figure out, well, uh, 75 is two to what power? Um, and that's not an easy answer because there's no whole number that's going to tell you what two to some power is 75, right? And so what used to happen is you would look these up in catalogs and somebody went through and manually just like <laughs> created these, uh, what, what we call log books, um, logs. So uh, instead of doing that, instead of having this huge volume and only being accurate to a certain you know, decimal place, what they did is they upload all of that stuff into a computer and it goes from, oh, I got to spend all this time trying to look up the logarithm to instant. Boom. There it is. You got your answer. You're looking at what's what log base two of, of 75 is, and then it just spits out this weird decimal. So um, that's where computers came from. That's what they're there for. And you could say... Uh, computers are there to be able to store things like facts. But can a computer right now, can it make uh, can it make a claim and then state some evidence and reasoning on that claim? I mean, I haven't seen one do that yet. But maybe that's one of those things they're trying to get AI to be able to do. But those those are what we consider those higher level thinking kind of tasks. Well, in order to do those tasks... You needed a certain base kind of knowledge, and that's why we are in the situation we are right now with our com with our common core standards, where with math especially, we have to be able to compute certain things to a certain level. You have to be able to manipulate equations and stuff like that, even though a computer can do all those things for you. And on top of that, you have to have what's called um, the... Uh, principles of mathematics, I believe it is. No, practices, math practices, that's what we call them. So these mathematical practices of, uh, and, and it lists them all out. Uh, I can't remember, I think there were six. And in a way, it, 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 it reminds me of the evolution I saw English go through as a subject. You know, when I went through school, we'd spend a ridiculous amount of time diagramming sentences. And then we'd go through and we'd do all these grammar rules. And the rules wouldn't always be true. And sometimes, uh, yeah, and that was the part that was just like frustrating um, being a math person. And you have these rules about language that are sometimes true, but not always true. And it's just weird. Um, but you have that set of things. And I equate that to like computation with math. And, but then you had the more important things around the processes. So, for example, the process of comparing and contrasting. The process of writing something to persuade somebody. Uh, the process of actually creating a writing, a writing piece. What is that? And some people would call it formulaic writing. Um, that five-paragraph essay that was beat into your head all through school. <laughs> what, you know, like, those are the things that you're supposed to be learning in English. But then there's the artistic side of things is, like, how, how do you create that hook? How do you create something that's interesting? How do you use uh, the literary devices to your 
but to their best potential to get across these complex ideas in the least amount of words or um, or you can yeah yeah so basically it's all about how to be able to communicate which I'm not doing very well <laughs> in in such a way that it communicates more than just words I guess is the best way to describe it for me um, so those are the processes for English in my mind. Well, we have similar processes for math. Um, and can somebody learn those things without being able to do some computational stuff? Like, for example, if I understand what factoring is, but I don't always understand how to factor every single thing put in front of me would that still be considered okay? If I know how to be able to utilize the, the computations without necessarily doing the computations myself, is that possible? And if so, is that acceptable? So there's a lot of stuff that, we, that goes into this whole idea of changing our educational system. And right now, nobody's been able to do it. And that's the reason why, is because it's so complex. And we can't agree on, like, what's important about it. But then we have this other side of things, which is technology and how it's evolved. And I use the word evolved because there's no, it's not like there's a master at the top of all of this who's making these decisions. It's... This is what people are buying. This is what their needs are. So then that drove what they ended up doing. So how do we make a similar kind of a drive, but for education? And how do we create a, um, how do we create a, uh, uh, what do you call it? An environment where things can evolve. Because right now, the way that it works, it doesn't have, there, there's no reason for a high school and a public school system to evolve in that way. And actually, I would, I would venture out to say it's impossible to evolve in that way because it's a small part in a huge, gigantic freaking system. If, if, if we decide as a high school that, you know, this grade grading system sucks, that an A doesn't mean anything. Uh, it could mean different things for different teachers. And so therefore it has absolutely no value. And we end up changing our grading system to where it's a, more of a standards based and all of that. But then we have, we get stuck. What hangs us up are the stupidest things. Like for example, okay, fine. If you do that, however, how is my kid going to get into a top tier college? Because when we tried to do that, that's that's one of the problems that came up. Because what they're expecting is this thing that's just kind of commonly known as A, B, C, D, and F. And then we, we even had the same problem when people were trying to do integrated math curriculums. Integrated math curriculums are where uh, instead of things being taught in a sequential sort of manner, you still teach things in a sequence, but think of it more of a spiral than in a ladder. Um, 
So you're constantly coming back and revisiting things and it's all integrated together. So you, in one, one year, you might see the algebra, geometry, and a little bit of trig all at the same time, but it's only to a certain level. Even that was pushed against because uh, colleges, they'd see, okay, so integrated one, but there was no common understanding of what is integrated one, um, integrated math one was. And so if you had somebody that switched from one school to another, I mean, it's just, it's such a freaking mess. The whole thing is such a mess. It's it's not, I mean, even the schools that tried innovation, I went down to High Tech High down in California and to check them out. And they're doing some pretty cool stuff, you know? Um, but it's very easy for a teacher to come in and just be like, oh, well, but those kids aren't doing work. And, oh, and uh, how's this work for kids that are trying to go to college? Because this doesn't fit into that system. So in a way, it's like it's like the system got too big. And now it's out there and it's huge and it's almost impossible to change. So, yeah, there's reasons why we're stuck in the previous century. Because we don't have, we don't have something that we don't have an iPhone. <laughs> we don't have something that's like an iPhone that just came in and just revolutionized the way we use our cell phones. And now all of a sudden, instead of having a computer, we just have phones, and they do all these magical things. So we don't have that for education right now. We don't have somebody who's going to be able to come out and just be able to go like, boom, check this out. And that's part of what we need to figure out. What is that freaking like? How do we make that being? And the only end point that I can think of, you look at it starts perspective assessment and tracking a way a way for you to be able to track what you've learned, what you're able to do. Once we get that set up, the how you learn and all of that can be so different. It could be so varied. Does it matter if you have an A, B, C, D, or an F? Or if you're in that kind of a grading system, if all that matters is that, oh, uh, let's let's talk about a process. For example, um, if I have a common understanding of this is how this is measured, of uh, overcoming obstacles, very uh, abstract kind of idea, but if I'm able to have something show that not only have I learned, but in practice, overcoming obstacles is this really high number. And it would help reflect back on students. One of the problems we have right now is we stick kids into a system that is constantly beating them into submission rather than taking them and saying, hey, you know, like reinforcing, this is what you're really good at. This is, these are the things that you are phenomenal at. Uh, you should keep working on those things so that you become, like, really, really good at it. And then those those things can combine together to turn into this person 
who then is able to do X, Y, and Z for a company or X, Y, and Z for creating their own company or for society. I mean, all those things. So the only way I see us actually making any lasting sort of a change is if we find a way to be able to tackle this problem of a common understanding of how do we know that I am able to do this and that's able to just push through with me. So I don't know. It, it, it's I still don't know what that looks like, but I know the need. I know what needs to happen. And so that's where where we always start. And I need a I need a group of people to sit down and actually start talking about this and coming up with, well, what realistically can it be? What can it look like? Because once we get that all figured out, it will make your HR so much easier. Heck, I got somebody in my high school right now that I could I could stick in front of a classroom of math students and they'd be able to teach the heck out of it. But because they haven't gone through a specific program, um, they're stuck. And so they have to pay all this extra money to go through the program to learn higher level math. And don't get me wrong, I think you should still do that. But somebody claiming that, oh, they have to show, yeah, it's it's frustrating to me. Um, when the reality is, is he's got such a high EQ, uh, emotional um, intelligence, uh, that he could actually grow into being one of the an amazing teacher. Um, and he's an amazing worker. But our pathway to get there is so slow and expensive. We need to make that, we need to change that. And I'm constantly looking at my kids, well, my daughter now, because she's the only one in school. But looking at her and saying, what's stopping you from doing what you want to do now? She's like, I want to own my own business. So I was like, what's stopping you? Really? What's stopping you? So anyways, uh, that's today's podcast. Thank you for listening. I love learning together. Um, And I will be talking to you tomorrow.